0: Let's see what's on board today. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. This is Tony, and I'm joined this week with... Me. Aloha. Philip. That's (laughs) Philip. Aloha. That's me. And we are back for another exciting, exciting discussion in educational triage. Oh, that's Exciting. (laughs) <laughs> this week this week we're kind of swirling around um it's on funding how do you fund your alternative program or school if you are independent and you are not with a if you're not within another program yep yep, yep. so so that's what we're going to be doing um Philip how yep. are you doing this week
1: oh, I'm doing swell thank you for asking
0: anything new no news good there's news there's been a bit of snow
1: It's been a quiet week here in um, Camas, Washington, but there's a bit of snow in the
0: Highlands. It was fun. We had snow the other night. There was some blowing around. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to think of, oh, I guess it was Sunday night. Everybody said, you had snow last night? And I said, no, nobody told me anything. So I asked my neighbors and they said, well, you would know because you're up later than we are. And I go to bed probably between nine and ten and i guess it started around nine so i wasn't out there for it so
1: well we woke up to it so it came i'm about 700 feet and at the west end of the columbia river door, oh so.
0: so you're up yeah. yeah i'm at 500 feet
1: yeah well i'm up so, there so the gorge gets that wind and it's just a kind yeah. of a, yeah you,
0: you know, get a banana down
1: belt down there by the the uh, lowlands of portland and the stump town so yeah. that's true that's true i get the Very beginnings true. of the cold so i kind of enjoy that but i have a four-wheel drive Oh, I just pop that sucker and I can drive in it usually. It it wasn't needed.
0: I can put on my yak tracks and go hobbling down to wherever I need to go. But it was
1: welcome because, yeah, it's turning on to be winter and fall and such. The holidays are upon us.
0: Definitely. Definitely the holidays are upon us. I saw somebody had their um, Christmas lights out. With all the <laughs> decorations out already. Yeah, early, huh? I mean, even know, late. Blew, <laughs> it just blew my mind. So yeah. um, there, it's happening, yeah. and the Halloween lights have gotten spectacular again. And, you know, it's pretty amazing what people are going to do. So, And we haven't even yeah. hit Thanksgiving yet. And by the time that this airs, we will be close to Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, I believe that this will be close to that week. So anyway, so this week, we're going to talk about funding. Yep. And, you know, I did a lot of reading and a lot of things made sense to me. And then I made the mistake of reading a book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which did what? <laughs> Inform you, befuddle well, you? Well, actually, <laughs> I was reading this book before my with my medical event. And um, oh. I got back to it because it was written by somebody that I wanted to talk to. And they actually called me while I was in the hospital and I didn't realize it until last week when I was going through all my notes. Um, so th- because the event encapsulated an incredible number of let's just say my different systems of my body. And so my brain, there was some brain damage that happened um, that I'm still recovering from. So I finally got around to looking at that and I saw that they had called me and I thought, holy cow. Anyway, it was Maureen O'Shaughnessy and Maureen is Dr. Maureen O'Shaughnessy and she is the head of the micro school coalition. Mm-hmm. Go and on. she wrote, and she wrote a book called Creating Microschools for Colorful Mismatched Kids. Mm. It's a really good book. And basically, she consults people on how to set up microschools and everything. And I am, am trying to get her on to the show. And to talk about what are micro schools and how those, you know, work. Because... Um, And she brings up some really interesting things. So one thing that you can do if you're going to be setting up and if you're not a program that's within a school district, because if you're in a school district and you need funding, um, you can always look at block grants from the government. You can always Mm -hmm. you can always find something. Um, That's where grant writing really comes in handy and doing some really good salesmanship. But she talks about how. First of all, if you want to, you can do it as a charter school and you can go that way. And I learned something else in the last two, three weeks. I ended up having a conversation with the woman who's in, who is the president of the charter school coalition here in Oregon. And what I discovered is that charter schools actually get more funding than alternative programs do. from the Wow. Day- I did not know that. Down in Oregon. Right. In Oregon. In Oregon. Yes. Okay. Charter schools receive 95% of what it costs for the mainstream schools oh. to educate those students. I do not Okay. Huh. Alternative programs, which utilize and need and require far more resources usually, receive only 80%. Oh, okay so so charter schools so yeah what i know so there are charter school coalitions there's alternative school coalitions or organizations um around in most states if you can't find one you can always contact your department of education there's somebody there who is will help you find them and help you figure out that jigsaw to get there. So that is one way to do it. And she brings that up. But then she also talks about all the startup costs.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Which are?
0: Oh, let's see. To name Uh, a few. Well, how do you publicize? How do you get the word out? How do Mm -hmm. you get the staff? You have to pay salaries, right? Yeah. Um, You have to get your business license. You also have to get your EIN. And EINs, two, three years ago, when I got an EIN for my mom's estate, I discovered that it was free. And I thought, holy cow. This year, I went to do the EIN, register an EIN for our state's Alternative Ed Association, and, and it was
1: $250. Uh oh. So that's new.
0: Or. There we go. Yeah, that's new. You. you also have to be, you also have to register as a nonprofit or a profit business. Yeah. You have to and your business licenses. You have to pay the rent. You have to pay the utilities, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You have to, insurance. you have to have the insurance. Yeah. You also have to have all your resources. Like what materials are you going to use? Are you going to use computers? Are you going to have some kind of business sponsorships? Are you going to figure out a way so that you're supported by the community? What are the, what, how are you going to do all these things? Hmm. So the big question is, it's almost like starting up your own business.
1: Well, exactly. I was thinking, say you're a teacher and you yeah. want to <laughs> start a school, mm-hmm. but you're not a business person. Yeah. There you go. Th- you gotta learn to learn you- to be
0: one. Well, if you're a teacher yeah. and you're worth your salt, then, and pepper, I think that you, have enough capacity to understand that and enough self-awareness to know what you're not good at and what you don't know so that you're able Mm -hmm. to learn and ask people the right questions yeah yeah and to surround yourself with the right people
1: right i was thinking like that i was going i don't know what i don't know but i know someone who knows what i don't know (laughs) <laughs> and that right. would be where to look. Yeah, because it scares that it would scare the hell out of me to run around going, Hey, I'm gonna be spending a lot of money and I don't want to make a mistake by not knowing what I don't know. Yeah. Right. So and I always approach it like I teach, and I'd always say that to a student, hey, we don't know that, so let's go find somebody who does know what we don't
0: know. Because exactly. there's a ton.
1: Yeah, a ton. And
0: yeah. you're probably gonna want to do something with a lucid chart and no. just and just sort of put things out so that you have a tick list, but you also have a flow chart so that you know what's what and what's where yeah. and all the different components that you put together. So once you have a roadmap, you can start going down that way or help or finding people who are willing to work with you on that.
1: Well, yeah, I and mean, if you want to like, find people that you want to work with, you'd maybe want to work with a program that maybe specializes perhaps depending on what kind of teacher or teaching you want to be well let's say yeah, uh i don't yeah, know because you, uh, for example a stem program uh right if you really want to focus on that then you could really hook into some corporations like intel
0: mm-hmm. or, or dell
1: you or really whatever want to go towards
0: that yeah right and those are around here but you yeah. know the different communities yeah. have different tech Certainly, companies that yeah. are all around, around. You can um, always hit Nike
1: up for a good running track. People, Nike makes great running tracks out of old shoes. <laughs> They're really good for that too. So, I've seen that in a lot of charter schools. I've seen that in a lot of um, uh, uh, sort of private schools. Um, Nike tracks—they do that a lot of that stuff too. So, put that in your books out there. They get old yeah, shoes, yeah. You know?
0: But I don't think a track is is the at the forefront. No,
1: I'm not, but if you're doing an old if you're doing a school type situation, Unless a lot of times playing. they want an exercise yard, they'll put down like a, right. a, a basketball court out of the old shoes and things like that right. as well. Right. So so is yeah, a good thing to do. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just in the side. I know they do that.
0: Yeah. Right. So as we talked a few weeks ago yeah. um about knowing the purpose of your program. Yeah. You need to know exactly what it is that you're doing. Who's your audience? Who's who are your right. students? What are you doing? Like you said, a STEM program. Are you doing something? There was something that came up today. Um, What programs are there that deal with um, maybe neurodivergent, maybe people who are experiencing FAS, fetal alcohol syndrome? Um, Dyslexia. Exactly. Um, You know, just a whole bunch of different problems or let's call them obstacles to their learning.
1: Specialties and and focuses of, of learning, yeah.
0: Right. And so once you get that, there must be funding from it. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be government funding. There's got to be private funding that might mm-hmm. come through through some foundation or something. And so what it becomes is if you were good at writing up scholarships and taking care of scholarships when you were in high school to get through college, this is a time for you to do the same thing and to use figure out a grant writing um Method That's going to get you those grants that you can do so that you can start putting all of that together. There's also programs like the government's delinquent and neglected youth. Um, And we talked, I, I, when I was talking to Roxanne Wilson, she and I were talking about the inequitable funding and we talked about the Mm -hmm. DNN. There's also drug and alcohol education funding. There's also the McKenna McKinney-Vento program. There are so many different programs that are out there that you can get some money from. There are different stipulations, and so you're going to have to figure that out. But if you're going to be starting a program, chances are you're the one that's going to be running it, right?
1: You would hope, but again, you, maybe your focus would be to have someone to help you
0: exactly and right because it's always important to know what your weaknesses are Mm -hmm. yeah i would i said that because
1: i'm thinking to myself i don't know but i think i would like help too
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly i mean i can't i know there are certain things that i know but i only know them to a certain point and Mm -hmm. then i don't know and that's when i'll start asking people and so there were people that there are, people in my, there are people in my circle, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. who I thought had broader knowledge than I, and yet I asked them the questions and they said, golly, that's a good <laughs> question. And it's like, well, okay, who do I ask? And they always uh, point me back to Department uh, of Ed. They always point me to this. Uh, so... Um, I just find it really interesting Mm -hmm. that not everybody really knows who to call and it's not Ghostbusters.
1: (laughs) Well, I got full disclosure here too. I got to, I got to come clean. I want to start a a school or a program of sorts, Mm -hmm. Um, but from the educational side of it, I, you know, I want to, I want to look at it from the curriculum and instruction side of it. And I have terrible business instincts. I need need somebody. I need the knowledge. I want to learn the knowledge, but I would also like to hook up with a co-teacher or somebody who has that side of the knowledge too. Right. Uh, Although I don't know if I'm using that as a sort of a cop out or what, but yeah, it, it does take more than just setting up a classroom and greeting the kids and doing the teacher thing. If you're going to run a program, you've got to consider the budgets and such. And I've always not wanted to, it's like well, math, <laughs> but I, the math is important because that's what puts the program on the table, as they'd say. But, well,
0: know. are you going to charge tuition?
1: You have to, and you've got to charge a reasonable tuition because the kids, the students, and everyone around you has to get the resources and, and the instruction that's necessary and functional and inter- interesting, you know, and you have to have to, tra- to have to charge a tuition that behooves that. And so you have to make the dollar go as far as it can. But again, you can't charge not enough and then make things not work. You have to charge enough okay. tuition and utilize your resources well. You have to be very creative. And that's where the business side comes in. Someone that says you have to charge this much and here's what we're going to use it for. Now go. <laughs> and then I'll go what help.
0: about. Right. But what about the kids Uh who need the program but can't afford the tuition? Their families just don't have it. They don't have those resources. What are you going to do?
1: That's where I can come in or we can come in and say, let's get that money from someplace. Let's go. Let's go talk to somebody about sponsorships. Let's go beg, borrow, catch and, you know, find out where we can get that money. Um, Yeah, that's where... We find the money, I guess, if we're a private, if we're a public, if we're a charter or an alternative, like you said, how do we put that program together? I used to watch um, my boss put that those numbers together. She used to show me my budgets and such. Mm-hmm. And I kind of learned a little bit about it. Um, right. I didn't want to learn too much about it because it just kind of scared me. But I did see what she was doing with that. And I did appreciate what she was doing with that. Mm-hmm. And she got that set budget handed down to us. Um, I wouldn't know how to do a private, but or a charter, I guess, but if I had to really go full disclosure, I would go for it. I did learn, you know, we gave, you gave me some research stuff and I, I dug into that too. And I was finding those, those, um, those strands that go through there. There's an right. awful, like you said, a lot of grants. There's a lot of, uh, funding from the government. If you, I have a feeling, if you find the right program that goes down the right groove You can get into a funding slot that can improve your program.
0: Right. And things
1: start to pick up. I noticed that. And it's almost like, yeah, it's hard to describe, give give you an analogy of, but it's kind of like, I hate to say gambling, but it's like finding the right team to be on. You know, if you get the (laughs) right student population and the right kind of curriculum going and the right funding source, you can kind of snowball. I noticed. Right. It can can build on itself. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, because sponsorships could be happening, fundraisers. I mean, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. look, look, even even the public mainstream corporate schools have fundraisers. Yeah. And so, and people say, why do they need more money? Well, (laughs) our, our program never saw it, but you know, um, I don't, it, to be honest, I don't know why either they needed the more money, but mm-hmm. they obviously did in order to take care of some different programs that were happening. The boosters are fundraisers, the PSO or the PTA or whatever your whatever you call that in your district or in your community.
1: The, the foundation was a big you know, one.
0: Yeah, there's a foundation, there's the foundation. a script. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's happening, and, <laughs> and it's kind of like everybody has fundraising that's going on, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you think they need it or not. So, okay, I'm going to throw this out. University of Oregon Athletic Department has major fundraisers. <laughs> and they received far more money than the academic side of University of Oregon. And University of Oregon was upset because the the professors, the teaching staff, were furious because they hadn't seen any kind of value in their materials or what they've been able to do or a, or a raise or anything. And they felt like they were just being kicked to the curb. <laughs> so um, oh, oh, wow. I'm not going to... I won't say anything bad about University of Oregon, but I think you know where I'm going. So
1: well, they have a major contributor to their athletic side there. I but, think everybody well, everybody they knows have, who that uh, might be. Yeah. <laughs> they have more than one. So yes, they, they one who's named things after. Yeah, right.
0: yeah, I get it. But uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. I think if you're going to be starting a program, yeah. You've got to put down what all the costs are going to be because you're Mm -hmm. going to have to figure out how many kids are you going to start out with. Let's say you start out with 10 or 15 kids. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this. I've seen this happen. And I watched I worked with a woman who started um, and she put together a board of people. And they started. They and so the board is compromised. I'm an attorney. They had accountants, they had other business people, they had people who knew what they knew. So if you yeah. have people who are intelligent, successful, and understand what it is that they need to be doing, then you have those brains and they all come together and everything can congeal. Yeah. And if you have the right monies, um, but you have to do all your footwork, you have to do everything that you need to do in order to get there. Now, when she got going, she left our program. And this is before you and I met. She left our program and she started a private alternative school that became one of the premier alternative programs, private schools Uh in the Portland area. And, And the tuition was, let's say, sizable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't as big as some of the bigger schools that you might think of, um, but it was still it was still a chunk of change. I don't know if it's there or not because what we've discovered is that then alternative programs don't last that long. They don't. They they their their shelf life tends not to last because you don't have the people who have the vision who have the same gung ho-ness i think about what it actually means to do it and i think more and more i think as teachers are starting to retire yeah. myself myself included as we leave we see that the people who are taking over don't get it they don't really understand what they don't it have is. the same vision right right they hmm. don't i don't think that i don't think they understand the articulation of working Mm -hmm. with the kids and doing it for the kids. And it's not a political statement to be working with kids. And there are so many who think that that's exactly their political calling is to work with these students, which I find absolutely deplorable because it puts the kids down and Mm -hmm. makes them, makes them into like, I'm just going to say a basket of deplorables And (laughs) I mean, I can't think of another word to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I know
1: exactly what you're saying.
0: And so this is how they, they, they do it for their own narcissism. And so I was, I knew like last spring, I needed to celebrate the 50 years that the program that I had been working with, we needed to have that 50 year celebration. And, the odd thing is that one of the people who founded the program was somebody that I met in my first alternative ed program. She was on the board of that and she and I have stayed in contact for so many years for, for over 30 years. And I had no idea. I knew that she was a teacher, but I had no idea of the implications of how much she had done. And so that kind of thing was amazing. But then I look at a lot of other programs, and they've just kind of gone by the wayside because they kind of petered out.
1: Well, I can attest to that in a lot of ways because um, uh, the way we spent we spent time in the same district in different positions w- within the alternative ed sort of um, mm-hmm. umbrella and the program I was in was almost as... St- Uh, as established as the program that you're speaking of. And uh, I was in it at at the end of it and it was established. And then when that group uh, retired and the, and the uh, consistency faded away and the new group took over, it lost its way. Mm -hmm. And then the vision completely lost its way when the district itself didn't understand the very essence of alternatives, and built a big new school,
0: right? Um, and then it became then, then, then it
1: just then it just became another school, just yeah. a smaller and high school. There now there's three high schools instead of two, and one smaller, and it's where they put all the discipline cases, like you said, the deplorables, which I was reading. Interestingly enough, we were chatting before the the podcast. You know, why is it we're reading about all the funding and everywhere I'm reading, there's one theme. Alternative ed is for bad kids. It's like, geez, man. Yeah. And you even people, that. Yeah. You
0: even see people who want it to stop and take away alternative education mm-hmm. because everybody needs to be crammed into that bloody sardine can.
1: Right. Those bad kids just need to behave. So put them back in the regular classroom.
0: That's not just, what alternative ed is anyway. Or just it's toss them into a meatpacking plant and just right. feed them. Right. Just feed yeah. them to cattle or something, you know. That's um, yeah,
1: that. That's yeah. that very. That and then you were saying that, and then that kind of a breed of teacher comes and go. I want to work with the bad kids, so I'm going to alternative ed, and it's like, hey, you know, hold up there, cowboy. That's not what alternative ed is. It's well, it's a place for students that aren't necessarily going into the regular ed track. Well, and, they see it know. as a
0: cause. They see it as a cause, and I remember yeah. years yeah. ago. Years ago, I would go into at to Lewis and Lewis and Clark College, and I'd go into Portland State University, and I would teach. I would teach workshops, and invariably, people would say to me, because I didn't think that there were that many people who are going into education who had been in alternative ed, and I uh-huh. stood there one day and I said, "How many of you have even have had contact with alternative ed?" And all of a sudden I realized that over 10% would raise their hands and I'd say, tell me your involvement. And they were all alternative ed students. Mm. And I said, so why are you becoming a teacher? And they said to give back to everybody who gave to me, because without that program, I never would have made it through there. And I never would have made it into college. And I would never have the life because I had such a rotten life. And I didn't care about school, but people cared about me.
1: Yeah, I think that explains a lot. You see, my my advantage was I didn't know jack about it, alternative beds. I just got hired for the job. Right. <laughs> and I'm a teacher and I went, oh, this rocks. Boy, am I a lucky man. <laughs> I just thought, whoa, <laughs> I didn't know this existed, but I'm home. I, it just really fit. And I didn't know that. And I still think my lucky stars to this day that i got hired that day but yeah
0: um let's well, see, see i i okay so i taught and helped run a preschool and believe it or not but that was one of the best training grounds for alternative ed oh really because I, I worked in a daycare
1: for four years going to college yeah, school age kids. Yeah. Well,
0: you have but, to be creative. You have to be able. No, Johnny, you can't do that. Yes, I'm going to help you with this, and then you're doing all kinds of different. Is that on what one. did it? Because I can juggle like kids. Uh, yeah, that's what fans. it did. That's yeah. what it does. And so you're out there, and you've got like eagle eyes. You've got bat yeah. ears. You are just mm-hmm. everywhere, and you know pretty much what's happening. Mm-hmm. Counting kids it. as you walk. Wait, one's missing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. And huh? and I almost think that in order to be in alternative ed, that you need to do that for a couple of years, and
1: good,
0: yeah. you need to be able to come out of it with a sense of humor. And if you oh, can't, yeah. you're not going into alternative ed. Mm, I had and, not thought of that.
1: Maybe that was my advantage. Yeah. <laughs> Four years but, in a school-age classroom and a daycare.
0: <laughs> and, so, and so later on, I ended up, when I was teaching in South America, they said, come up with your own ideas, come up with a way or a method to teach what it is that you're teaching. And uh-huh. so for I had a grammar class. I had to teach seventh grade grammar. Mm-hmm. Okay, how are you going to teach grammar for a full year? One hour, five days a week. Uh, for a full year. So what did we do? I had to think quickly. I had the kids, we talked about what are nouns, what are verbs, blah, blah, blah. But I realized that I had, what, eight or nine different languages in my class. And so I broke all the kids into a group. And so they had, I would write a phrase up on the board. And we would talk about the structure of language. And so we would have these conversations. Why in Japanese do you that? Because they would tell us. And so we would write the phrase up on the board. They would write it up on the board and I'd say, okay, what word means what? And so they we would write the sentence, a direct translation from Japanese or from Spanish or French or Hebrew or Portuguese or Danish or whatever. And we would put those there. And... We would talk about why is that natural for them? How is that natural? Or it's, is English so unnatural? So we would do all these things and we would have these conversations. So that prolonged the inevitable. And then eventually, yeah, we did get into sentence structure, into diagramming and everything, but we did a lot more. And we had kids come in and they were talking about the Tower of Babel. And we did, they got to explore Context.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was fantastic. And that was just the seventh graders. I had sixth graders for writing. I had ninth graders for English. I taught IB English eleven. And we had the best time. Speech and debate, drama. We we just we did it all.
1: It's a whole wide world
0: out there. Yeah. (laughs) We were we were basically told do your thing. Let's see where you can go. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And then I did the same thing when I started teaching in other schools because, you know, I have a language arts background and a literature background, as well as Shakespeare and classical theater. And then going into the classes and working with kids and bringing a lot of that up, I got into trouble because I was teaching my ninth graders, James Joyce, and that wasn't in the canon because everything was supposed to be taught to the test because every year they, Ugh. at the end of the year, they would give their kids a test based on their grade level to put them into the net. They'd track their kids that way. Yikes. And so one of my ninth graders, her father was, an English professor. And I ended up in his class and I said, you're not so-and-so's dad, are you? And he goes, yeah, how do you know her? And I said, I'm so-and-so. And he goes, oh my God. Oh my God. And I said, right, what? He said, he said, thank you. Cause you taught my kid, James Joyce, you taught my kid all kinds of stuff. Hey, it comes and back. Said, doesn't it? And I said, really? And he said, Oh, wow. He said, I was a little worried when she came back and she told me that she had this crazy teacher. But, you know, it was so fun just to listen to her and she would talk to us about everything. Yeah, and I, well, that's what you got to do with literature. You have to talk about it. It's not about, you know, answering questions at the end of the thing. You have to talk about
1: it. I was just talking to a student the other day about um, Macbeth because i love Macbeth. it's just Macbeth is so simply wonderful it's just like his wife goes crazy he gets over Coon, It's you know no no man born of woman will kill Macbeth. what no man born every man's born of woman and then you know of course you know and it's like you know and you were get just getting into it and right. uh, just it's that way it's just very exciting it's so simply wonderful <laughs> and then he gets decapitated you know it's got all the glory of a star wars in fact Speaking of which, it's basically a Star Wars episode. You know, it's just the it's not really, but it's got same devices almost. But, you know,
0: yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Sim- simply wonderful. <laughs> it's just the, all the best stories are simply wonderful. That's
0: all. Well, what really blew my mind was when I was teaching the my felons that later on you, <clears throat> you, you ended up teaching them. Yes, um, they're good guys. They demanded they demanded Shakespeare. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why. So we did, I mean, we were doing these things, and one of my kids who was who was um, thought to be one of the, I'm putting air quotes, slower kids in uh, the group, uh, after we would finish reading part of it, I would say, all right, so what's going on? And nobody knew. And then his hand would shoot up, and he'd say, Blah, 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 blah. And he was right on. And it's because he didn't overcomplicate it. He just knew what was happening because of the language and everything like that. And so mm-hmm. it was, you know, just being able to to think about different ways to teach and, and get it out there so it's not a production line.
1: Yeah, yeah. People think, oh, Shakespeare's so, well, oh, oh, Shakespeare's just so. Oh, oh my gosh, I just don't know what to do. It's like, no, that's what makes Shakespeare wonderful. It's just so simply wonderful. It's that's what he is. Yeah, uh, uh, overcome he's, he's with ambitious. with uh, ambition. He wanted way too much and went way too far.
0: <laughs> but you listen to the language. You listen to the words. Yeah, you listen yeah. to the, because the language will take you where it is. And for a Shakespearean mm-hmm. actor. That's exactly what it is. so as they're reading actually the punctuation if you if you read it the way that it's written mm-hmm. as as Hamlet says, speak speak yeah. the speech I pray you and you have it trip off the tongue and so where the where the punctuation is and the ambience of the of the words mm-hmm. as the as language all comes together, it all happens if you listen to juliet's poison speech it's full of percussives it's full of punctuation mm-hmm. and so it's like she's driving herself into a tizzy and if you're reading that properly it does all the work for you
1: yeah you'll get into the tizzy yourself <laughs> exactly exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly and so he
0: was he was he was brilliant the way he did that so let's say that you want to do something that's based on language a school based on language or a school that's based oh, yeah on
1: well that's a uh, that's also music right uh yeah there's, and you can, you in, can do with music and language is well you could absolutely. also use well, been latin done and but, yeah. Greek.
0: Yeah. you could yeah. use latin and
1: greek in there as well we were talking about the funding as well you know i keep on hitting this but uh, okay so um the group that came through the village Greenwich village in those years there, um, sadly, those people are passing on, uh, folks like Joni Mitchell and Phil ox and, um, geez, Carly Simon, uh, and anybody else, they, there was that period of time when any, everybody felt like they kind of had to go through Greenwich village, even if they were sort of famous just to do it. Those people, um, have a really sent a really have big sense of community service and, uh, folks, they will do um, concerts for benefits if you ask them, and um, they're known to be very generous with their time. Even today, I had.
0: Here's the concerts, weird. They're you know. back. Back in the '80s, I knew people who worked for Olivia Records, mm-hmm. and we. I was working. I was doing an internship uh, for a major theater company in San Francisco, in the Bay Area. And we were trying to figure out how to get a fundraiser going. And so I spoke to the people from Olivia Records. And they, because I worked at the, at the nursery school where their kids went. And That's I also, connection, <laughs> But see, I also knew, I, I'd also met, Holly near and some of the other people that recorded with them and I had connections with that. So, um, the big thing that came up was insurance. And so, and so we weren't able to, but the reason, the biggest reason why we weren't able to do anything was because the, the person in charge of the theater company when they looked at me and they said, what's going on here? What am I missing? And I said, you signed a contract. Your board allowed you to sign a contract that basically shoves a skewer right up through the, between your legs and out your head. I said, you cannot do anything and you are screwed. You have to pay everybody and they don't have to do darn thing. And so they started losing money and the, and the company folded. Um, Mm -hmm. But we were trying to figure out how to do that. Now, if you want to get a fundraiser going, there are people who know yeah. people who yeah. know people. Who can the
1: regular bands is like bands today generally they you have to go through their tour managers and and they yeah. can't do that kind of gig. And the only reason I meant I mentioned the people from the Greenwich Village is they kind of are that rare breed where yeah. in their day it was kind of like if you got paid, you were sort of a sellout. And they kind yeah. of still are like that. It's kinda of like Oh, that's a nice idea! What a quaint little school! I might just fly out there and do that gymnasium for you. They're the kind of last breed that will do that.
0: Yeah, but you never get. But you know, you never know who you're dealing with either. I was taking a life saving course for swimming, right? Yeah, and so I was taking this course, and the guy I was partnered with, I had no idea. But he was, he was the manager for one of the biggest bands in Portland at the time. Oh. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, hey, let's go. He said, let's go tonight. And I said, tonight I can't do it. So we went out a couple of nights and just had the best time. I mean, I got to go backstage. I got to do all these oh, things. Yeah. It's, and so the best seats in the house. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. I lost touch with him after I moved uh, to South America. But you know, you just don't know. And so people want to do things that are there for a reason. And if they don't, you don't want them.
1: <laughs> yeah. You
0: really don't want to deal with them. But there are so many people who are the nicest people in the world who will be there to benefit you.
1: Mm-hmm. There's, that's the thing about the schools is uh, once you say fundraiser on, you know, if you have a good, clear plan. You mm-hmm. have a lot of volunteers, and they'll do a really good job if you have a good good organization.
0: Right, if, but you have to have you have to have all your ducks in a row. Yeah, like I said, they, they have
1: a certain job and and a way to do it, and you get them on their way. And good organ, you know, good people, good lieutenants. Yeah, it'll be mm-hmm. a really good show. I've yeah, seen it if, before; it's something to see. <laughs> uh. And
0: and the one thing I'm going to say, and and this is something that I learned from working at a contract school and then coming over and working with my uh the um our incarcerated dudes Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um and i got in trouble for saying it but it's true if you have too much money you lose the creative spin you don't realize what you can do and you can do so much more with so much less So don't always think that you need to have a million dollars in order to operate. You need to have a team that can come up with things. Sure, you've got to have certain materials, but if you have if you are able to access the right materials and put those together, and I don't mean going out and buying textbooks.
1: Oh, right? I was just thinking that. Don't buy
0: textbooks. <laughs> They're expensive and they're useless. Well, they're only good for a certain amount of time. You want to have current resources. Now yeah, the district, the district where I used to, and buy them by the few. District where I used to work and the district where you used to work. Mm. They had the only group of teachers that were allowed not to use a textbook were some of the history teachers. <laughs> but those had to be normed. They had to be, you had to have people say, yes, this is right. And everybody had to use the same thing. And so they had to create their own, but the standards for social studies, I went through the standards and I was told by the head of the department of a social studies department, not in the district that there really are no standards for social studies. You can there are no that. standards. No. You can no. pretty much do whatever you bloody well want, which is yeah. a disservice to the kids. So, yeah. and to everybody. Well, what I'm, but what I'm thinking is look at what you can do with what you have and go from there. If you have dedicated staff, yes, you want to pay them. It, it, Maybe it doesn't start out very much. When I first started out, let me put it this way: when I taught in the private contract school and I transferred over to the district, my salary doubled. Mm. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it it made a huge difference. But so did those years where I was doing it. And somebody and people were complaining. Look how much the director is making the director was not making that much money considering how much time and effort they were putting into everything. And there was so much more that nobody saw and they were the best director that we could have possibly had. Yeah. And they, she was fantastic. She was awesome. And then I went to work for another director who was just starting out and learning who turned out to be absolutely magnificent. So, get your get a good board together, get your ducks in a row, figure out what your operating costs are, but always know what is your mission. What? Because you have to have the mission. Yes.
1: Got to know and what you, you're going to do. Keep and it,
0: keep it yeah, focused. Right, right. And so you want to make sure that everything is streamlined and that it's all there. Maybe you have to tweak something yeah. somewhere. But if all systems or go as you go into the funding because you're looking at that like you said you might find a groove that might just take you straight down into the yeah. bullet train to the bank well you know your,
1: your short term and your long-term games yeah mm-hmm. yeah you exactly. might find that we did it, but like you said i'm, I'm kind of thinking you're right though when it comes to alternative programs i think maybe they have a shelf life unless you're flexible and that unless could come from the, the curriculum itself, maybe.
0: Unless you're flexible. Well, yeah. I it's not you being flexible. I think what it has to do with is the people that come in and they want to change things because they have their own vision. It's an ego driven thing. It's yeah. not about the kids. Well, I was thinking
1: maybe the yeah the yeah. curriculum, maybe if you keep it flexible because I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. If an ego gets involved, it's not about the kids. Remember that. If it's not about the kids, it isn't a really good program.
0: Right. And you can you can do all the flashbang stuff you want, but if the yeah. kids are not at center that's it. A- and you can and you're on the periphery. That's one of the reasons why we did our open house. And I would just stand off to the side is because it was their thing, not mine. And I wanted them to get the credit for all their work that they had done. That's the
1: acid test. Is it about the kids? And then that, yeah. if it is, then I think you're probably going to have a program go on for a long time.
0: I think you can, but you have to have like-minded staff that are going to agree with you. Yeah,
1: Yeah. that's probably the tougher part, too. You know, are you all going to agree upon that? And we did. I, I was there. I worked with some folks and we all agreed. Uh, there was, we said that once a week almost. Someone said, "Is it about the kids? Are we doing this for the kids?" Yeah, yeah, we are.
0: And I know yeah. people that yeah. will say, "Yes, this is for the kids," and then, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, we did of-
1: though. Yeah, I remember that. We we were really good and. Somewhere along the line that stopped working and it wasn't about the kids anymore. And I can see when it isn't. It's like, Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> the kids can come and go, but we're going to do it just like we do it. Wait a minute. That's not Definitely. right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. And, and I, you know, thank you. I know we got off topic a little bit, but it was good. Yeah. And, and I think we made our points um, down in the, down in the notes. I'm going to put down some source resources for everybody so that they can take a look and see what they're, what they are. If you want to share some of those with me that I can put in the show notes, that would be fantastic too. Oh, um, okay. And next week we will be taking on assessment, assessment and taking a look because when you go back over what you're doing, What are some of the things that you can do and so we're going to take a look uh we're going to use mostly the prism from the national alternative education association and we are going to take a look at that and going down and just having a little discussion as we go through so that we can share that with you and maybe you have some more ideas coming up later on here are some of the topics that um, i'm hoping that we're going to cover One is brain plasticity. Another one is micro schools. Another one is uh, different kinds of learning. So stay tuned and stay with us. Make sure that you give us a review and make sure that you are subscribed. And until next week, we will bid adieu.